From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. It's group therapy for the paranormally affected. Go over to Collins, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. We'd absolutely love to hear it. Of course, please press that subscribe button uh, on whatever platform it is you're listening to us, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes of the show that get sent directly to you. Makes everything so much easier for you. And uh, we do appreciate it. It helps us grow in the rankings uh, as well. So please do that. And if you've not done so yet, if you're not an EPP, please get in on that. You get an extra podcast every single week emailed directly to you. And it's a way that you can help support the show. So if you listen to the show a couple times a week or every day of the week, religiously, compulsively, obsessively, as a lot of folks do. Well, we thank you for that, but please help support the show so we can continue to uh, give it to you every single day. It's just five bucks a month, and you get that extra episode and a whole bunch of other great free stuff that we'll be sending out to you as well. You can uh, check that out on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on the Become an EPP uh, banner uh, for all the info on that, and uh, Become an EPP. All right? Okay. All right. Uh, on today's episode, uh, of course, your letters, your calls, lots of good stuff to get to. Uh, and an update from Richard in Chattanooga. Oh, good. Now, it's not a call. It is uh, it is a post that we found. And uh, it's interesting. Should we go to it first? Should I make you wait in suspense a little bit for Richard and Chattanooga's update? I don't know. I'm torn because I have a feeling that I'm going to be not able to get it off my mind. And I don't want to be distracted yeah. from the show. Well... I, I think you can, I mean, it, it's nothing like super groundbreaking, but it's it's interesting. Let's just get to it. Okay. Let's just get to it. All right. Because I know a lot of folks have been following this and a, a lot of folks have been, you know, wishing him well and there's been a lot of suggestions and things like that out there. Um, uh, he sent me this message. I, I came across this and it showed up in our spam filter on YouTube. For, so for whatever reason, it didn't go to the YouTube post page. Okay. I approved the comment, then I went back to try and find it, and it didn't show up in the feed. So I don't know where the hell it went. But here's the message, (laughs) okay? Okay. I copied it before I approved it, and uh, here's what he says. Uh, Hi, Tony. Richard, I've been trying to get a hold of you all, but obviously I haven't. Sorry, don't want anyone to think I'm not trying to use y'all's resources. It's weird. I emailed you uh, the Tony at Real Ghost Stories Online email. And all three never went through. So I went to your personal Facebook page and got through there. No, he didn't. I mean, he probably did, but it didn't go through. Okay. So I never got any message from him on Facebook. Um, I believe he tried, but it never went through. Uh, I mean, helping my mother move stuff from my old room to her attic because it started looking like a hoarder's bedroom. So like a good son, I helped my mother with all that junk and found a chest. I wrote and told you everything I found, and I'm very mad and still uh, uh, disgusted and uh, and kind of lost in what was in the chest. I have no idea what he wrote in because I never got the message. I don't really want to uh, uh, get in touch on YouTube, but everything you need to know is on your Facebook message uh, to get a hold of me personally. Again, message on Facebook, not there. Uh, thank you all. Uh, and thank you and your wife for the concerns and prayers and are from the community. God bless everyone. Uh, and have a good day, Richard. We also got a call from him. Okay. Um, and uh, his call to me just was giving me his contact info uh, and his email address. 
Okay. So I me I emailed him back, uh, and he said he didn't want to really go into the details of of whatever this is, uh, whatever the uh, the junk thing is. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess on the call, um, and it was the the call had a lot of you know personal contact information on there, so it's nothing I can air back on the show. He sure. didn't have any stories. There was nothing weird in the call. There was no EVPs. Um, it was just his email address and just letting me know he's been trying to get in contact with us, but not having any luck. So uh, I emailed him back. I sent him uh, the contact info for Joe okay. uh, and his associate. Um, I asked him to please email me back to confirm he received it. Uh, I ha- And this was this evening. So this is just a, like less than an hour ago. Okay. So uh, Richard, no, I did send that to you. Uh, I've also posted it on uh, uh, Joe's email contact is on our message board at realghoststoriesonline.com. But uh, I did not receive any of your story. Uh, that you said you sent through Facebook. So I, I really have no idea what you're referencing or what you found. Uh, and, and if you'd like to share that you know, with us privately, that's fine. If you don't want to uh, share more of this on the air, that's completely fine. And I understand if, if, if sharing this stuff for whatever reason is uh, stirring things up more for him. Then we don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that, and, and we don't want to do that, and, I, and I'm sure our community doesn't want to do that either. Uh, so uh, that's your call completely, uh, what you want to share uh, with us. And, and if nothing at all, that's fine. If you just want to update us you know, from time to time on how you're doing, that would be greatly appreciated. Or if there's something you just want to share with, with us off the air, uh, you can always uh, do that. And I'm saying all this on the show because I don't know if my message made it to him. Right. Um, but I know he's probably going to listen to the show. So okay. that's the uh, the latest. He's there. He got something that he found that he thinks may have something to do with what's going on. And that's all we know. <laughs> it's a giant teaser. But uh, I, I hope maybe maybe some pieces are being put together. You know, sometimes when folks find things that shouldn't be in certain places and are able to rid themselves of them, sometimes that does calm some things down. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going on. I don't know, but... Uh, Let's hope. Let's hope that's what yeah. he was meaning by that. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, things are, are getting more uh, under control in the life of our friend uh, Richard there in Chattanooga. So thank you for the update. I just thought I'd update everyone because we get, we get calls, we get uh, emails asking how he's doing, and it's been a while since we heard from him. So yeah, that's, uh, that is the latest. And I combed Facebook. I combed my personal Facebook. I combed the, the show's Facebook. You know, every place you can get a message. Uh, and I found nothing. So. Okay. I don't, I don't know. That's very odd. Yeah, it is very odd. But par for the course with Richard trying to con- contact the show and not necessarily having much luck doing it. Yeah. So, and it's not in any way saying that Richard is, you know, no, not knowing I, what he's doing. There's something that's I don't not suspect Richard him. at all. No, I'll just say that right no, out. No. So that's uh, that's the latest there. Uh, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear it. Um, and this is interesting. This is uh, a little piece of audio that one of our, our fans have made for us. Uh, kind of, I guess, created a bit of a, a theme song for the show. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear that. Okay, here we go. Welcome to another set of stories. 
That's uh, David Barnes. He's a fan of the show. He's written in uh, a couple times, and uh, he created that. That uh, is wonderful. And he said he actually has a full song that he made. Okay. And this is just like the demo, and he wanted to see if we were interested in it. I said, yeah, that's neat. Send us the full thing. So, sure. So we may be getting an extended version of our theme song very soon, and we'll play it back here for you. At, you know, you know Stories I, Online. I am constantly amazed at the wonderful things our listeners send us. Oh, yeah. Like the art that they, I mean, takes so much time and the music. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I really, it, it, it's cool having, number one, being passionate doing a show from our perspective. Yeah. And having a community around it that is also passionate and enjoys it. We would do this if there were five people sitting yeah. around a campfire and that's all that listened. Which is essentially how the show kind of started. There was, was about eight people listening to the show. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, look at this. 300 some thousand people are listening to the show. Um, but uh, I, I, I can't tell you how refreshing it is just from a, a broadcaster standpoint of doing commercial radio. Uh, you know, FM radio for so many years. And... <sighs> Just a disenthused public with it. Just kind of like, yep, you're there, you know, kind of taken for granted. And not a whole lot of exciting content either on, on my end. So I kind of felt kind of bored with it. They felt kind of bored with it. And, you know, it was just kind of, yeah. And it was just kind of, it went from being something that was fun to do initially in radio to just kind of exhausting. Doing this show is kind of put me back at like the front of radio when I started, when it was fun, when people were having it fun and enjoying it and you could do fun content and people got excited and you kind of back and forth. And that's, it's just like old time radio, really. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole new technology and this whole new thing everybody's like excited about because it it's amazing. It's podcasting. It's the future or whatever. But it really is a throwback to old time radio almost. Okay. Old time local radio where you would serve your geographic community. Now with podcasting, you're serving your interest community and that's worldwide. So it's even bigger than what local radio ever was, but you can just really, you know, you pick the interest, you get the community around it that's really interested in it because it's a topic they're interested in, not just because, you know, you're four miles from the radio station and it's, it's exciting. So I love it. I think it's amazing that, like you said, you know, you've got people that are interested. So they're sitting and they're listening to every word that we say. It's not just background music. Yeah. And then they take what we say and they make these wonderful pieces of art that I want to put on a T-shirt. I love the Pudding Poltergeist yes. one. And then the Gary the Grim Reaper that we saw today. <laughs> that was great, too. We had two interesting pieces come up today. There is the uh, the uh, Ouija Awareness Month. Uh, October is Ouija Awareness Month. Gary the Grim Reaper says, friends don't let friends use Ouija boards. That I posted to our Facebook page. So if you haven't liked it there, please do. And you can check that out. That was created by... Uh, our friend Jason, who uh, who sent that, one of our listeners. And then this evening, we got one for the Pudding Poltergeist. <laughs> and I love this one. Uh, it's created by uh, Brittany, uh, who actually have her letter here. Hi, I'm Brittany. I'm a graphic artist. listening to you guys while I work at a t-shirt printing place in Long Island. I put this together just for last, but maybe a sticker swag idea. Love the show so much. Can't wait to hear uh, you read the story I shared called The Man in the Doorway. 
I hope to work up enough courage to call in and share a Ouija awareness story. Thanks again, you two. And the pol- the putting poltergeist graphic, it's on Facebook as well, but I also put it into the gallery section at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com uh, in the photos area, so you can check that out there. I love it. I'd yeah. love a t-shirt with that on there. I asked her if we can use it, so... If, if she gives me the okay, I, I am going to put that onto a t-shirt. That would be good. And I'll let you know when it's up there. Um, there is uh, swag up there, by the way, now uh, on the uh, the website. Uh, if you've not checked that out, you can uh, get your real ghost stories online gear. Some areas of the country uh, getting hit with uh, some very chilly weather. Uh, so it's time to start getting, uh, you know, fall attire. Uh-huh. And we got some great stuff up there. So if you want to support the show a little bit and uh, wear the shirts, wear the uh, sweatshirts, the hoodies, all that fun stuff, wear the uh, the uh, the Snuggie. Yeah, the Snuggie. That's up there as well at Real Ghost Stories Online in the, the store section. Uh, so there you go. Let's go to a caller and uh, kick off the show. 855-853-4802. Of course, the uh, the phone number to dial in to Real Ghost Stories Online if you have a story that you would like to share with us. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jen. Um, this is Cynthia calling from Mexico, state of Baja, California. Um, so just to let you know, yes, you can call from out of the U.S. And uh, just want to give you a big shout out and say thanks for the wonderful show. I listen to it every day at work. Um, just wanted to touch on two subjects that were mentioned uh, last week uh, regarding funerals in Mexico specifically. Um, they're not necessarily done within the 24-hour time frame. Usually they're done in between 24 and 72 hours, uh, considering that the majority of the people here are Catholic. Uh, the process is, you know, they come and take away the body and prepare it. Uh, majority of the funerals are uh, burials. So they have to prepare the body, and then there's the wake, and then there's the mass where the whole family and friends get together, and then the procession to the cemetery and burying the body, or um, if it's the case, uh, the ashes, uh, putting them either in a crypt or in another specific place. Uh, so it usually does take between 24 hours and 72 hours, uh, not just 24. Uh, that's in the cities. If you go to smaller towns or rural areas, uh, yeah, usually it does take 24 hours, and it's kind of the same procedure. And you also mentioned uh, regarding offering food or, you know, what what's the whole meaning behind offering food to the dead, I, and I can't speak for other cultures, but regarding the Mexican culture, uh, the big shebang, you can say, is in November, which is Day of the Dead, it is actually between two and three days long. In some areas, it can start uh, on the 31st of October, where it is believed that the spirits of the children start arriving uh, to visit their loved ones, specifically family. And then uh, November 1st, uh, the adults uh, or the grown-up spirits uh, come and visit the families, and they leave on November Second, so in the majority of the country, you will find that at least on November 1st, you know, it's, it's a big deal here. And um, we prepare the food that the deceased person loved, and it'll vary from area to area, but basically you will always find in the altars uh, bread of the dead, which is a sweet bread uh, with a cross on it, uh, water. Uh, to quench the thirst, thirst of the spirit which has traveled uh, from the netherworld <laughs> or from the great beyond to visit you. 
um, salt, which symbolizes purification. And like I said, the food uh, that you know that the person loved and a picture of the deceased, uh, usually family member, uh, objects that the person loved or you know that they used uh, during their lifetime. And uh, also candy skulls, which uh, represent, you know, that not that necessarily death is sweet, but it's not not something that you need to necessarily fear. Um, and you know, everyone from the eldest to the youngest participates um, in this, uh, let's say, ritual. And you don't leave out the food to rot. <laughs> it's supposed to be uh, symbolic. Uh, basically, the the deceased one comes and ingests the spirit or the essence of of the food. And then uh, after everything is said and done, you eat it and supposedly it won't taste the same because the spirit has consumed the essence of, of you know, the offerings that you made. And also there's a very specific flower. It's called uh, Sempasuchil. And it's a very, you know, very bright orange color. And it, it has a very, very particular smell, a very sweet. And that is said to help uh, guide the spirits to you when they come to visit. And, you know, it's not something terrible or they're not here to scare you. They're just here to comfort you and to spend some time with you and, and uh, let's say, reminisce about um, old times. So I just wanted to clear that point up, and um, I hope you use this on your segment. Like I said, I, I listen to you guys every day, specifically on Monday. I, I save up the the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, episodes, and I listen to them on Monday. So um, keep up the great work, and uh, I'll call in some other time with some stories. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for your call. That is awesome. I would love for us to celebrate like that once That'd just be fun. to see what that's like yeah it's interesting to hear the insight into the culture and, and how you know it's celebrated sure it, i mean it clears up a lot because there's a lot of things to go what what you do what or how does that work and it's just it's neat yeah so, i really like that yeah thank you for uh, calling and uh, and sharing that with us we really do appreciate that uh quite a bit but I'm going to call in. It's 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write into us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. That's where Bryce wrote in. It says, Tony, Jenny, you were talking about dreams in the EPP episode that we were. Uh, if you'd like to hear that, you become an EPP, you get that bonus episode. Uh, like Jenny, I also cannot scream in dreams. I often have dreams where someone I love is in danger, and no matter how hard I try to scream or yell, I cannot. If I try to run towards them, it's like I'm paralyzed. I can move, but only very slowly, no matter how hard I try. When I am dreaming, I never realize it's a dream, even if I wake up a few times and go back into the same dream. Most recently, I had a dream my nine-year-old daughter was missing. I couldn't dial 911, but every number but 911 would show on the screen, and I remember getting really frustrated with it. See, that's the problem I have in dreams. Yeah, you were mentioning that. I, if I try to dial, I, I can do everything but the right numbers, and it's just it's horribly frustrating. One last thing, I also have my own little dream places that are always the same when I go back. Oh, like me. I have an amusement park that I must drive over a big jump on Rainbow Road 
Mario Kart is what he's referencing. Okay. Uh, to get to. And I also have a safe house, as I like to call it, that I can always transport myself to and feel if I feel like I'm in danger. It's a quaint little house from the outside, but the inside looks huge with many rooms. I've had dreams that intruders were trying to get into my safe house, and I have a secret nook inside of my wardrobe that tunnels into the walls that I can hide and watch until they leave. I also set up booby traps similar to Home Alone and Goonies. Well, that's all. I'd like to know if anyone else has similar dream experiences. Anyone go to different dimensions or have their own dream place that can make them feel safe or happy? I don't. I don't ever get to visit the same place twice. Really? No. You're not like me and Bryce here. We have our own little worlds that we go to. No, I guess the closest thing is I sometimes have a dream where I go back to visit the house that I grew up in here in Kansas because I want to go back and see what it's like now on the inside. I've not been on the inside for over 10 years. Yeah. That's the closest, I guess. Sure. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. What, is it, what does it look like in your dreams? Do you go on the inside in your dreams? No, they don't let me in. I'm just the weird girl that wants to go back to visit her <laughs> child. We drive home. by it. We could go knock on the door. I and you know. could, I could get a guitar and you could sing the Miranda Lambert song. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how many people started doing that after that song Show came out. Show up there and improv Miranda Lambert. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be, and we could YouTube it. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> And then what if they let you in and it becomes this really amazing experience? It would be like one of those totally viral YouTube videos. It was like, oh, that's amazing. You could start a movement of people doing that. That would be just wrong. And then there'd be all these cases of, I saw this YouTube video. I tried doing it and they started shooting at me. You know, Or they stole stuff. Yeah, they stole. It would be horrible. It would be. <laughs> but it all starts with this nice, innocent. Uh, there we go. Anyhow, <laughs> 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. There's like this chapel in one of my dreams that, and this is in the, the fake version of Wausau that I return to sometimes in my dreams. And we don't really know if it's fake or if it's how it is Well, now. I'm pretty sure it's not real because it's dimensionally not really real. It's like dramatically large. And it's like a chapel slash funeral home, I think. And it's kind of gothic in nature. And you go into it, and there's several levels to it, and it's red and dark wood, and just really creepy. And I think they sell antiques there, too. <laughs> it's That's it's weird. Totally bizarre. But it's a combination, I think, of a couple things that were in that neighborhood in reality. Uh-huh. There was an old Gothic-type stone chapel that was there that I went into one time in my life on 9-11. The original 9-11, when I was just going for a walk that night, trying to think of what the hell was going on, and I just walked into there. You never told me that story. Yeah. And so it kind of looks like that on the outside, Um, but the inside looks nothing like it it at all. Um, So I think that's like the basis Uh of where it's from. Um, And the rest, like the the inside kind of reminds me of a funeral home I was in several times as a child in Fond du Lac in my hometown. Uh-huh. Just kind of weird and old and creepy and dark. Um, so that kind of has those elements to it. Um, I, like most dreams, I think it's this random combination of weird things throughout my life that have compiled into this made-up neighborhood in my mind that I visit in my dreams every now and then. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? The weirdest dream I've ever had... Uh, probably as a child, my skeleton dream, as I call it. Okay. I was three years old when I had this dream. And I had various incarnations of it till probably about 18 uh-huh. every now and then. The original was I was hanging off the side of one of those 
uh, you know the cars that have like the wood paneling on the outside? Yeah. The kind of station wagon-esque type. Like a Beach Boys Woody car? Yes, pretty much like that. I was hanging off the side of it, and there was this baldish old man driving, and I said, hey, let me off. I live here. Okay. So he lets me off. And I get get out, walk into the front porch of my house when I was a child. This is a house I lived in till I was about three and a half or so. Go into the front porch, walk into the living room, and there's a skeleton running around. Kind of a glowing white skeleton. And he's running around the living room, and I'm like, what are you doing here? And then he runs over to me and yells, skeleton de skeleton. I don't know what that means. Picks me up, grabs me, and then carries me into the basement, and that's where I wake up. It's called the skeleton dream. Okay. That's what I had as a three-year-old. And then throughout the rest of my life, there was always weird dreams of something dragging me into basements. Oh. Always. In different settings, different homes, different places, but variations kind of on the same sort of thing. For the mind of my three-year-old brain. Wow. You? Uh, my weirdest dream would probably be my, uh, my zombie dream. After watching probably way too much Walking Dead, I dreamt that it was really weird that... I somehow got infected. There was some kind of, you know, epidemic, but people didn't like change rapidly. It was a slow progression. So they actually sent the infected people off to like a camp Uh and that's where they lived until they... Like a leper colony? Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Or what they're doing with the folks who are uh, contracting the Ebola? Maybe that's something. Okay. Um, But anyway, so... I, I got it and, you know, I had to tell everybody goodbye and then I had to go to this camp and the thing was there was people at all different stages of becoming a zombie. There was full on walking dead zombies, there was halfway zombies and then there was people that were normal that just hadn't gotten, you know, the symptoms yet and uh-huh. you just had to stay there and that that was it. But the the thing is the the zombie zombies didn't bother you. They just, they knew you were infected so they didn't try and eat you. So you could be cool with the zombies. It was like just like hanging out and yeah, there's zombies over there. They're not going to bother me though because I'm sick too. Because you're on your way to be a zombie. Yeah. That's interesting. That was really sad because you had to say goodbye. Essentially, it was like knowing you were about to die. Did you say goodbye to everyone? I did. How did we react? You guys were a mess. Were we? Yeah. We didn't like try and send you like a care package or anything or... Yeah. Like, you, here's a zombie care package. You sent me brains. I was so, so happy about that. <laughs> Here, honey, I'm going to slaughter a pig and send you some brains. Right. <laughs> I, I, how did you explain it to the children? I You're like, I'm them, going to camp? No, I told them that yeah. I had the disease and that yeah. I had to go away so they didn't get it. Okay. That sounds like a fairly depressing dream. It was very depressing. I remember waking up feeling sad after that I one. can imagine. That sounds like a very in-depth dream, too. But i that's one of the rare ones that I can still remember. Most of them I yeah. can't remember. Interesting. That wasn't that long ago that you had that, then. Because uh-uh. you've only watched The Walking Dead, like, in the last 365 days or so. Yeah. Interesting. You got me started on that. Huh. 855-853-4802-855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Steven writes in, first of all, I've been listening to the show for a little while, uh, and uh, seven times a week is awesome. Uh, Love uh, the show. Anyway, I don't know if this actually qualifies as a ghost story, but I'm pretty sure there's something in my closet. I first realized this one summer night a few years ago when I woke up with a uh, uh, drenched in sweat. I've never been able to fall asleep easily due to an overactive imagination and bright cell phone screen. Well, this 
night was no different. After about an hour and a half of tossing and turning, I finally managed to fall asleep. The next thing I remember is I'm walking. I'm walking in this giant stone hall. It looks almost church-like, except there's no windows, no altar, no crosses. The only things decorating this massive room are rows and rows of gargoyles high up near the ceiling. I reach about halfway across the hall and I begin to panic. I have no idea why I'm here, where I'm going, and most importantly, where are all the doors? I'm trapped in this giant room with no doors and the eyes of dozens of gargoyles are watching me. So I start running to the ends of the room. I frantically search for some way out and just as I reach one end of the room, just as I bring my palms to the stone, I hear this roar. This is single-handedly the most terrifying noise I've ever heard. It's filled with such pain, such animalistic, angry pain that I freeze. The panic grips me, then I finally find it in myself to turn around and see what's coming. Up from the rafters, way in the dark, drops this stone mast. Its giant wings open with a crack, and faster than I could react, this menacing stone claw grabs me by the front of my shirt and hauls me off my feet. It's angry, pained face, its mouth wide as if to swallow me whole and inches from my face. The same growl holler erupts, and a wave of spit and heat blows me back. That's when I wake up. I sit up in my, in my bed, and although the entire room is pitch black, I can still feel, feel the breath on my face. I can still feel the spit hitting me. And then, it stops. I'm sitting there staring at my closet. Whatever was breathing on me flew in there. It takes me a few seconds to realize I can't feel the right side of my face. I go to get up from my bed and run to the bathroom, but my right leg is also numb. Stumbling, I make it to the bathroom, throw the lights on and run up in front of the mirror. The entire left half of my face is sagging. I mean sagging. Half of my lips is drooping down. The skin around my eye is drooping like if I was made of wax. I immediately thought I had a stroke or something, but I was 17 at the time and not out of shape, so I doubt it was that. Eventually, I managed to make my way to my bed, defeated, forever deformed, and fall asleep. I woke up the next day and felt relatively normal, so I never really brought any of it up to anyone. Since that night, I've had multiple dreams of the glowing gargoyle thing in the corner of my closet, and when I'm alone in my room, I can sometimes hear it or catch glimpses of its claws slipping between the cracks at the edges of the doors to edge it open. I've checked the closet multiple times and have found nothing tangible to indicate that anything lives there, and I always make sure my carbon monoxide detectors are working. Although I believe in ghosts and demons and things like that, I'm not afraid or afraid to die, so I don't really have a problem with the gargoyle in my closet. Sorry if the story ran a little long. My entire family is very sensitive to ghosts and things of that nature, and all of us have countless stories of ghosts we've seen. So if you'd like me to write in more, I could. Thanks for your time. Danny. Yeah, Danny, write in some more stories. I like how you are very descriptive. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, it, at first I was going to say, it sounds like you had a stroke, if that's what you were saying. But um, I'm wondering if he never really got up in the middle of the night, if that he dreamed he got up in the middle of the night, and that's what he dreamed he saw, but it was so real Yeah. that he woke up the next morning going, oh, I dreamt I saw that. I could see that. I've had that. I've had where I've, I've dreamed something. I've dreamt I've woken up. Mm-hmm. 
only to wake up from dreaming I was waking up. And I've had like that in succession, like five wake ups in one dream, thinking uh-huh. I was waking up every time until I finally did wake up. That messes with you. Yeah. Um, I could see that being the case. Um, or I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it could have been something um, where it was causing part of his face to literally droop. Distorting what he was seeing. I don't know if it was... I, I could see either way. I could see literally his face was drooping because maybe there was something going on in his brain that was causing it to actually happen like that. Huh. Unless it was literally like wax, like he said, where, you know, melting away. Then that would be a distortion. Yeah. But if it was like stroke-like or it was drooping... Um, you know, the mind can do things. Sure. I had one time, uh, where I was, uh, I couldn't read and that freaked the hell out of me. I thought I was having a stroke. Okay. Um, this, I was at, uh, at the radio station and I, uh, I, I did think, I think I did figure out what it was though. Um, again, just like I think I figured out what my, uh, sleep paralysis situation was once too. But um, I was in the studio looking at the computer. And the computer tells you which songs are playing and everything. And for whatever reason, all the letters were out of order. And to me, they were anyway. Like, I couldn't read a song title. Okay. It, it, I was like, well, what the hell? And I thought something was wrong with the computer. I thought there was a glitch or something. And, you know, it was projecting the wrong letters. and Because that's what it looked like. It looked like a scrambled computer okay. with the letters. Everything was clear on the computer, but the letters were in the wrong places. Well, let's just let the listeners know you do not and have never had dyslexia. No, no. Because that's what it sounds like. Sure, yeah. Never had it. Um, okay. So it's only happened to me one time. Um, so I was like, well, that's weird. So I get up and I'm about to walk into our engineer's office, which is right across the hall from the studio to tell him there's something wrong with the computer. And as I'm walking out of the studio, I look down at uh, a newspaper that's sitting there. Newspaper. Headlines. Scrambled. And that makes me stop. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. And I stop and I look. And when I, I look very closely and I literally take my finger and run across the word, I can read the word if I spell it in order. But just if I remove my finger and I'm just looking at it from a normal distance, it's scrambled and I can't read anything unless I focus really hard on each individual word. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of freaking out. Yeah. So I, I go to our engineer and I ask him, you know, can you come in here for a second? I don't know what's going on. Here's what I'm perceiving. Um, and he hung out with me and it went away after about five, ten minutes. What had you been doing prior? I drank a ton of water. Okay. Um, and like literally I had one of those uh, giant bottles of water um, and I downed it. Okay. And I read that if you essentially drink that much water that quickly, you can, in effect, kind of cause the... I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to say this completely wrong, but things won't fire correctly. Okay. So between what my eyes were seeing and my brain was comprehending, there was a disconnect because the firing was off. Okay. Until my body essentially absorbed the water correctly. It's quite dangerous, I guess, and you can actually kill yourself doing that 
if you drink. It's like drowning. Okay, so you shouldn't do that again. You shouldn't drink that much water that quickly. And I really didn't think anything of it. I just had a bottle of water I wanted to down before I left the building because it was near the time I was going to leave. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, that's what I believe it was. And I didn't have that ever happen again. But it was pretty scary. Sounds like it. So it was interesting, to say the least. Sure. <laughs> I probably should have gone to the doctor, but I didn't. So that was that. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Uh, let's go to a phone call before we go back to another letter. The phone number again, 855-853-4802. Yo, Tony, what's up? This is Mike. Just wanted to let you guys know that I love the show. It's really cool. But um, I know, um, yeah, I'm going to do, I would definitely support your show over here. We love your show. We listen to you all the time. I'm going to get right into it. Uh, this is a story about my uh, a close friend of mine that went to college with me and it was crazy um like just the fear in his eyes when he talked about it was just enough to make me believe and um my oh okay well this will happen my friend a real close friend of mine uh used to live in jersey in like this colonial type house in jersey back when he was a kid he's uh like well i say he's like 28 now and he said when he was, like, 13, he moved into this house, and, like, all sorts of things, like, these weird things would happen in this house. Like, just, uh, he was, they would first hear noises, and it went from the noises to, like, things being moved around the house, like, not in front of their eyes, but, like, they would place something somewhere, and it would just appear in, like, the upstairs, like, in another room. And he told me, like, one night, when he really started seeing apparitions and stuff, apparitions, he would he he was laying in bed, and he slept with his sister in the room. They had this big room, and she slept on one side of the bed, and he slept on the other side. And when he where he slept was by this window. His bed was like like uh, just below this window, this big window that was on the walls by his. Were on the um, I'm confused talking about the story now. Like, on his side of the room, it was, like, this window. And he woke up one night in the middle of the night, and you see the moonlight come through the window, he said. And he said he saw this, like, man standing outside his window. But it wasn't, like, looking in the window. It wasn't, it was basically, like, looking out towards the yard, like, just standing there. It wasn't looking in the, in the house, into the house, whatever. And the guy, he said, looked like, someone from the colonial days, like like George Washington sort of type guy. He was like this guy, he's wearing the garb and the, the you know, the, the, he had the regalia of a, of a, of a colonial man. Like <laughs> those guys from that time, like 1800s, 1700s, whatever, with the white wig type of thing, you know, going on. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't have a sophisticated, you know, version of the, you know, um, of how to explain what he was wearing, but it was just crazy. He said he looked like one of those guys from the colonial time. And it really freaked him out. Like, he just got real quiet and put his head under the covers. And he said he couldn't see the guy's legs. So, you know, he explained to his dad later and told him, he said, yeah, his dad is one of those guys who kind of brushes things off. He doesn't really pay attention to a lot of 
stuff like that. He's a skeptic, you know, so to, so to speak, or whatever. And he told his dad, and he 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 got no reply from his dad, or no sort of support or whatever. So the next night, he something woke him up. He said he had like a weird dream or something. You know, something woke him up, and he saw like this shadow by the edge of his bed, and. He closes, he closes his eyes again, he started praying, and he, what happened was uh, he, he heard it walk towards him, like the side where he was at, and he just sort of, something told him to look and peek out, and he opened his, his sheets up a little bit, and he looked towards like where the floor was, and you could see the shoes <laughs> of the guy, it was like, buckles, you know, on the shoes, you know, like those old colonial shoes that they had, and it had big buckles on them. And at this point, he said his heart was just racing, and he freaked out, and he screamed for his sister, and his sister got up and turned the lights on, and it was like nothing there, and they had to calm down. It was just like a, a really creepy thing, and he said ever since then, he, he never wanted to sleep in that room, and he had to sleep in his... It was like a room, like across from his parents' room, and he had to sleep there. And he, he would hear things, but he never really like saw anything after that. And um, they moved out eventually, and he just was like freaked out. This talk. I'm freaked out. I'm not even like I wasn't even there to experience it, but it's just a story that happened, you know, uh, not a story, but a situation that happened with my friend. He told me the story, and. I don't even know. <laughs> it was just creepy the way he says it. He says it better. I wish he would. I'm going to try to get him to call in and tell you the story. And I don't know if you guys would do, you know, a double thing. I don't know if this is going to make it on air, but I don't know. And um, I appreciate the show. Thank you for hearing me. Take it easy. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. It's always interesting when you get the colonial ghosts showing up. Yeah, any ghost from a specific time period, and you can tell when it was. I I just think that's extra instru- extra interesting. That's hard for me to say. One of the most interesting ones I think we've had where you could tell at least who it was was the one the other day with the roller skating ghost. Yeah. That, that to me, it just kind of blew my mind, or it's like, wow, you can really determine who this was, or at least if it was, you know, who they think it was and not something trying to get them to think it was something else. Sure. That's what you always have to wonder about. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. Another letter. Says, this happened just a few weeks ago, and it is the creepiest thing I've ever witnessed. For me to tell a better story, I should go back to the beginning. I now live in Iowa, and my dad has a huge old home. I'm not quite sure how old it is, but when I when he bought the house, they said they could not promise that there were no hazardous chemicals poured there at any time and that there were not bodies buried in the yard or the surrounding area because when the house was built, they didn't keep records of those things. We do know it is at least 100 years old. In the house is my father, stepmom, and twin brothers. Anyone who went in the basement would always say they felt like they were being chased into the bathroom or the bedroom that's located down there. A few years after my dad purchased the house, my uncle moved until he could get back on his feet. He got the room in the basement. He's a very spiritual person and felt this weird feeling in the basement, so he burned sage right away. He only did his own room and not the other two levels of the house. 
A few weeks went by, and my little brother told my stepmom that they saw a man with no eyes in their room. Since they aren't old enough to tell her exactly what they were talking about, she just shrugged it off. They then said they saw a man with no face in their room. We laughed about it, thinking it was just two twin four-year-olds making crazy things up. On the 4th of July, we locked the front door so nobody would break in or have the kids wander off while we were in the back having a huge get-together. As the party died down, there were only seven or eight of us, and we waited for the fire to go out while we talked. We were all in the back, but my cousin's little seven-year-old was in the house eating what was left of the marshmallows. She came out, and her dad asked if she was ready to go. She said that she was talking to a man named Six, and he told her to tell everyone that he knows that he isn't very handsome, but he doesn't want anyone to get rid of him because he likes it there and won't hurt anybody. My uncle and I were super freaked out, and he came to the conclusion that he thinks that whatever he tried to get rid of in the basement just went in a different part of the house. I think the ghost, or whatever it is, was asking for my uncle to stop cleansing the house because he doesn't want to leave. The scariest thing about this is his name. He said he wasn't there to hurt anybody, he just wants to be left alone. I think Six is a very creepy name for a good ghost. I hope you guys like the story. Thanks for listening. Well, as we were talking the other day on the show about uh, demons that show up with the same names in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world, with the same, uh, you know, sort of, there you go. Yeah. We had one the other day, didn't we? We did. Was it six? No. It, it had was a, it was G. a G. Okay. Damn. I thought it was six. No. Okay. Well, interesting. Yeah. For a second there, I thought it was the same thing. No. But I think if our seven-year-old came and told us that, we'd be freaked out, too. Yeah, I'd be a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Or if our, our two-year-old uh, started saying that out loud. Or seeing people in her room. Yeah. Yeah. When she points at things all the time, going, look. Yeah, you never know Hi. what she's talking to. <laughs> or she's just being too, you know. I think she knows it bothers me, and that's why she does it. She's just screwing with you. Yeah. We practice these things when you're not there. But I here's what we should do to mess surprised. with mommy. No. Yep. I could see that. <laughs> no, we don't. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story. And hey, if you like the show, uh, we asked uh, maybe you would uh, not mind supporting it. Five bucks a month is all we ask. We'll even give you a bonus episode every single week. It equates to about uh, 52 extra episodes of the show a year. For only five bucks a month, you get that. Uh, and uh, also uh, some other great extras that we have coming your way, some video stuff, and the knowledge that you are helping support the show and uh, letting us continue to do this for you uh, every single day of the week. So uh, please do help out and support the show. You can do uh, become an EPP. That's what we're talking about when we say EPP. It's an extra podcast person on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Hi. Yes, my name is Rain, and I have... Uh, two stories for you. Uh, the first one, when I was a kid, I used to have a whole bunch of imaginary friends. And um, apparently, according to my mother, I had so many imaginary friends that she got really disturbed by it. So she took me in to see a pastor, and he spoke with me, and he talked 
to me, and during our discussion, now, I, I want to make it clear, I don't remember any of this. This is all uh, nothing that I remember, but my mother telling me later. Um, I was talking to the pastor, and one of my imaginary friends showed up, and he was apparently an old war buddy of the pastor. And so I was telling the pastor what this imaginary friend was saying, and it was uh, very disturbing to the pastor, according to what my mother said, uh, because I was giving him details about where they were stationed and uh, what it was that they'd done and nights that they'd gone and hung out. And so the pastor came to me a couple of days later, and this I do remember. Um, and while he prayed over me and he anointed me with oil, and as he was praying, I remember him saying, lower the veil. Um, and from that moment on, I stopped having all these imaginary friends. But to this day, um, even though I don't see the imaginary friends or I still, you know, I don't have any uh, experiences of seeing ghosts, I can always tell when there is a presence in a room and when there is uh, what I guess would be considered a ghost <clears throat> in the room. And I can always tell uh, me and my friend whenever we go out and we do ghost hunting and uh, EVPs and stuff like that, I can tell him take a picture over there and we'll have a picture of a white figure or something like that. So I can always tell where something is, but I just can't see it anymore uh, the way I used to when I was a child. And the second story is about I work in uh, private security and the shift that I work, I'm out at night when it's really dark, and uh, in some places it's pretty spooky. And every once in a while when I'm out, I see um, what looks like, uh, the best way I can describe it is a teenager in a black hoodie. And I've never seen his face, and I've never seen anything like that at all, but there's just a teenager in a black hoodie. And... Every time I go to investigate, you know, seeing the teenager, I find something else. So I've often wondered if that's a, you know, a spirit guide or something like that helping me out with, you know, finding things. Because he's never there when I go to investigate and it's just sort of like... One minute he's there and one minute he's not, and then I'll find a broken window. Or in one case, I actually found uh, someone trying to break into one of the properties where I work. So I'm not sure what that's about, but I just thought that was pretty spooky. So I'd let you know. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call. And... Um it sounds to me like you're a sensitive. I mean, I think that's probably pretty obvious if you're still able to feel the um, spirits. But I have to warn you, be careful going and doing 
paranormal investigation on your own. And I'm a mom that I have to say this, you know, but especially since you're sensitive, just because things can latch on to you, probably almost easier. And um, as far as the, you know, the teenager in the hoodie, I don't know. I think that's very interesting that it almost seems to be a little bit benevolent, you know, since it's helping you. But I wouldn't get to where I felt too comfortable with it. What do you think, Tony? I think there's something dark that's been following you around your entire life. Really? Yeah, I think going back to the uh, war buddy of the uh, priest, I think that was not the war buddy of the priest. Okay. I think it was something that uh, knew the path that that family would take and eventually would get to the priest. Um, And for whatever reason, wanted to get there. And uh, was using that child kind of as a vessel to get there. Um, Because demons can take on pretty much more knowledge than even people have. They'll know everything about you and, and, and about other individuals. More than those people may know about themselves. And can easily recite things, you know, that you would think that person is reciting. Sure. So, I don't know what or why. That just sounds really weird that that war buddy showed up um, to get to the priest. It sounds like, and I think, I don't know, I don't know if there's more to the story or what, but it sounds like there's something dark that was attaching there. See, I don't agree. I don't get anything dark. I, really? I don't agree at what all. What do you get? No, I think he's got abilities that obviously were at their peak when he was a child, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, what he was describing is not terribly different than what we hear um, some of our other sensitives say happens. You know, people appear to them when they're near somebody that they're trying to convey a message to. Okay. And also, you know, I'm not real sure how it works with, you know, a, a blessing or, you know, being anointed or or whatever the the ceremony was that stopped you from being able to see them, but you're still sensitive to their energy and their presence. And that tells me that, you know, I, I just see that as a natural progression because a lot of times, you know, we've talked about children being able to see things and then that going away, but people still being sensitive. So I just think he's a sensitive who is not as tuned into what, you know, what he used to have as far as his ability. And I'm not at all saying, go, hey, work on that and exercise that part of your your abilities. I'm, I'm just saying that's where I think it's coming from. And that's the beauty of our show. <laughs> yeah. No one knows the answer to anything. No. It's, just all, it's all speculative. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I can see it from that perspective. I still kind of have a feeling it's something darker. That's just my perspective. Okay. But I, I totally, under, I didn't think of it from your angle, well, but but you're right. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense too. You go with your gut and I'll go with mine. We'll see who's Yeah, exactly. Right if if anyone wants to, uh, to to fill us in uh, on more of that, we'd, we'd love to take another call from him. 855-853-4802, the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on the air. Um, hello, Tony and uh, Jenny. This is Selena calling you. Uh, I didn't realize my voice is going to um, be so shaky. I'm sorry for the uh, road noises. I'm just calling. I just something really crazy happened, and uh, I was so too scared to um, call you from home. 
internet, um, it actually freaked me out enough that I am in a parking lot on the other side of the town. <laughs> so my husband and I went away uh, for the weekend, so I was catching up on episodes, and I was listening to the episode um, with my story, the Haunted Basement episode. Oh my gosh. And uh, I had my headphones in, and they're isolating headphones, and I was sitting on my basement floor because I was to do it when I do like chores and work and, and everything, and I was sorting socks, and uh, I had my legs crossed and my head kind of in my hands so I could concentrate on, like, your guys' suggestions and stuff. And when I got to the end of the story and you guys were suggesting things, um, oh, oh my God, I actually feel really nauseous talking about this. Um, I had my head down and I was just staring at this little speck on my concrete floor because we never redid the basement yet. And uh, water comes in at me in my story I brought that up and I just look up and the whole entire side of my stop in there is split open and the water is just gushing out at me and I'm like oh my god and I just flew up the stairs and I got in my car because my husband isn't home and I left but it's just I'm really curious now <laughs> just because ever since that night when that happened nothing happened and I just feel like uh, that can't be a coincidence so, just going to hang out here until I'm going to hold my husband, <laughs> but I thought I would call in. Um, I also want to say thank you so much for the Cisco episode. Um, I've been dealing with these spiritual issues, ghosty stuff my whole life, um, and it's only been recently in the last few months that it has been so much more and more, and uh, she just answered so many questions that I've been asking myself because I don't have any resources. Um, and now I'm kind of curious what Cisco would do in uh, my situation here because I haven't seen him, but recently I have seen other people, which I can be calling walkers because they kind of walk around and don't notice that I'm there and I haven't reached out because I'm far too afraid. But uh, I just feel like it splitting open this isn't a little softer. As I mentioned, the softener story, the softener had flooded my basement before and we replaced it, so it's... um. Brand new tank. <laughs> so I just um, thank you again, and uh, I will uh, hopefully hear some great suggestions. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. It's always creepy when uh, you have stuff like that that's seemingly uh, related. I think this makes for basement flood number four for you. And. <laughs> I'm very sorry to hear that because just one is stressful enough. Ghost-related floodings. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it could be because I, uh, with the water, you know, conduit possibility, and that might be the way for it to get its attention. Yeah, I don't blame you for your reaction uh, one bit to what just happened there. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. So let's go to one more caller here before we wrap up today's episode. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jennifer from um, McKinney, Texas. I have a couple of ghost stories myself, but first I want to say that you guys are amazing, and I love the show, and I subscribe to it, and it's great. Um, when I was little, uh, about four years old, my father passed away. We were all in a car accident, and um, like after the hospital and everything, after we got home, apparently, now I don't remember this, but apparently being so little... Like you guys always said, like being little, like you're closer to one side, as we're getting older, we're close to the same side. Um, I would see my father, 
I would walk around the upstairs of the house, you know, talking to somebody. No one else saw them. And my grandmother was there at the time, and she's like, Jenny, who are you talking to? And I'd be like, I'm talking to Daddy. You know, so I guess they shrugged it off. And, you know, I don't know if they pleased or not, but they, whatever. And apparently also I would go out on the patio every night and put a post thing to my father. And the one night my mom didn't let me out to, um, just seen him and he was very upset. It sounded like someone threw a brick at the front door. Um, so shot she opened the door and nothing was wrong. The only thing that happened was the reset we had on the door was on the ground. Other than that, the door was perfectly fine. Um, there's also another story that after the accident, my mom, my sister, I guess my sister was very, very upset. She actually had, um, I guess you can call them a premonition. She had a dream or nightmare of the accident happening the day before it happened. Like, she was having things happen up, leading up into the accident. Like, she would hear people walking up and down the stairs. She heard the same person that was walking up and down the stairs go into the garage. Now my dad was a mechanic, so he had tools everywhere. Um, apparently, messing up all the tools and stuff. And when she told my parents the next day, they were upset at her for not telling them sooner. Why didn't they wake her? Why didn't they, why did she wake them? And, you know, and they went in the garage, and when they did, nothing was Nothing was in place, not even a nut, a bolt, anything. Um, but apparently my sister, after the accident, was crying to a photo of my father. Now, not in a picture frame, still this photo. She had, you know, she leaned it against something. And as she's crying to it, she's realizing the photo is, um, like, bending, like, bending and snapping back. And at first she didn't believe it, so she kept crying, and she thought it happened again. And she called my mom over. The mom thought, no, okay, it's y'all on your head, you know, whatever. Um, and then my mother started talking to it and it was like, my dad, my dad's name was Steve, was like, Steve, you know, come on, whatever, and whatever she said. And it did it for two and she kind of got freaked out about it. Um, not that I'm sensitive or anything, but throughout my life, I've had things happen in one of our old houses, nothing extravagant, but for someone that's in like elementary school, it got to the point where I thought someone was climbing, someone wasn't, um, I felt my father's presence around me. I had a car accident, which I knew he's the one that made me, you know, I flipped the car and made me out okay. And there's another story about me being in an ex-fiance's house, um, living there and seeing his brother. And I can tell that another time. But I thank you guys so much. This is awesome. I uh, hope you guys have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Okay. You say you're not as sensitive or anything, but I kind of think you might be. What do you think? I think she's put on the laundry list of why she's sensitive, but says she's not as sensitive. Yeah. I mean, if you're able to pick up on that stuff, that's something not everybody can do. Yeah. And that's, it's something where I think a lot of folks just aren't you know, aware of what being sensitive is, because I think if, if it's something you've had your whole life, it's second nature to you, literally. And you don't realize that everyone doesn't have right. those abilities until someone flat out says... What do you mean you can do that? And you were like, oh, I just, I mean, always been able to do that, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of how it is. So, yeah, I, I think she's at least a little bit sensitive. Yeah. And I mean, saying you're a sensitive doesn't mean that you flat out see, you know, full apparitions yeah. all over the place. You know, it can just be a matter of, like you said, you can just feel things when you're in old houses or, or places where, you know, spirits might be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and that's all the extent of mine is. Sure. be great if you could beat the odds at Vegas, though. You know, that'd be psychic, though. Psychic and you could, like, really feel what the cards were going to do, and you could say exactly. Yeah. 
A step is sensitive. We need to hone you into me. And then we can uh, we can play some blackjack. <laughs> okay. Can you do that? Does anyone? You think? It, can you be sensitive to that sort of a thing? You're just gonna use me like that, aren't you? <laughs> I'm serious. Could anyone do that? I'm I, wondering. I don't know. What Probably. You, there's people that can do anything. Yes, there's card counters, but I wonder if anyone is sensitive enough to be able to sense those sort of things. I don't know. I don't know. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. We'd love to hear your story and share it on a show. You can always, of course, write into us as well. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is the place to write into us. And if you enjoy the show, if you've been listening, you listen a couple times a week, maybe every day of the week, uh, we'd really appreciate your support and you to become an EPP. And you support the show. It's only five bucks a month. We give you an extra episode of the show every single week for your binge listening pleasure. Uh, it's a full episode, too, and uh, it's exclusively for EPPs. You get about uh, 52 of those a year in total because we do them every single week. We uh, email those out to you. So please support the show and become an EPP. All the info on how to do that, you can subscribe through PayPal on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. For Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs> <laughs>